0: Father, we believe that you're overall God, we believe that there is nothing too difficult for you, and you have gathered us in this place, first and foremost, to honor your great name, to lift you up, because you're worthy. You're El Elyon, God Most High. You're such a personal God. You're a loving God. You're a faithful God. You're a good God. We pray against the devices of the enemy, the tactics, and the wily ways. We resist the devil steadfast in the faith. We're going to receive your word to us. We're believing that ahead of time by the spirit of God that you're going to speak through scripture, that you're going to help us to realize that nothing is too difficult for you. You're turning things around. You're bringing hope back into people's lives. You're touching people's bodies. You're touching their emotions. You're touching relationships, God. We believe that. Want to encourage you as Cory Temboom, a great woman of God who hid Jews from the Nazis during the war, she would lift up her hands as if to receive something from her father. I just want to encourage you. She would do this, she said, God, oh Father, and she would cup her hands like this and lift them up to the Father. I encourage you to do that. It may feel a little bit awkward, but lift up your hands as if you're receiving from the Father. Father, we receive the food that you're going to give us from your table. In the word of God, we receive it. Feed us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what your word says. So feed us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We receive. Yes, Lord. Can we do that? Let's do that chorus again. Let's lift that up before the Lord. Do that chorus. I believe it. I receive it. My God is over all. Hallelujah. I believe it. I receive it. My God is over all. Do you believe that today? Harvest Reading, do you believe that? Jesus name we pray amen you may be seated well good morning take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 15 Romans chapter 15 I want to speak to you one last message in a series that we have titled based on what Job said where then is my hope have you ever asked that question before How many people have ever asked, raise your hand, if this has been you, maybe in the last several months, years, and you were saying, God, where is my hope? I've done that. I've been there. I totally understand. I want to speak one more message to you in our series. We can all relate in some way to what Job was asking. You want to know where hope is. You want to know if it's ever going to come back into your life. And God is giving to his people at Harvest Reading a renewed sense of hope. And here's where hope is. It's, hope is in Christ. We know that. Hope is in Jesus. Do you believe that? Amen? It's in Christ. We're knowing that hope is a person. And so when Jesus entered Jerusalem on that triumphal entry, you remember Palm Sunday, that was hope entering in. You've been in a deferred place. I know what that's like. Deferred meaning delayed. You're thinking, oh man, hope isn't, it's not coming. It's on delay. It's not going to come into my life. You've been in that deferred place, but hope is returning to you, and this is a good place to praise Him. And here's what you need to do. You need to believe it ahead of time. Uh, you don't wait passively, you wait, you wait. Uh, what's the word? You wait uh, assertively or, or proactively. let me use that word. You wait proactively. And so you say things like this, "God, I thank you, that hope is coming back to me. I thank you that hope is entering into my life. That's what faith is all about. You're believing ahead of time before it actually is reality. I hope that that's your prayer. And so hope was entering in on that day at Palm Sunday and overcoming, Jesus overcame death and hell. We looked at that on Resurrection Sunday. Hope is hard to hold on to. We understand that too. And we realized as we were looking at those two men on the road to Emmaus that hope is hard to hold on to. And then we saw last Sunday uh, that hope helps us to move forward. And hope is helping us to move forward. And I know that you're, Where you're at today is not where you were last week. And I know that where you were at last week isn't where you were the week before that. And if you were with us the week before that. So there's progress in your life. And you're thinking, I don't sense any progress. I don't really see any progress. But there is, because the Word of God will go out and it won't return void. So the Word is preached. The Holy Spirit takes it. And it's going to do something in your life. So we all are all moving forward. So now what? What do we do? Well, since this progress is part of our lives... The enemy is taking notice of this and the enemy is not good with it. So this morning, I want to speak one more time, one more message on this. and I'm titling it, When Hope Exceeds Anything the Enemy Brings Against Us. If I were to say to you that the enemy is the devil, would you believe that? Right? The Bible talks about that. In fact, it says in Scripture, John 8, he was a murderer. And so he's trying to murder your hope. He's trying to murder the peace of God. He's trying to murder your joy. He's trying to murder the relationship that you have with Christ. He's a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar. And do you remember the end of it? And he is the father of lies. John eight forty four. Romans chapter 15, that's the chapter I want to be with you in. If you look at verse 13, this is the end of the verses that we're going to look at. We're going to look at 1 through 13. But I want you to take your eyes to verse 13. May the God of hope, this is beautiful. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See, there it is, believing. You've got to believe. You've got to believe so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That word abound means super abound. It means exceed. It means to excel. You're going over the top, over and above. This is what this word is meaning. You exceed. Hope that you're experiencing is going to exceed anything that the enemy can bring into your life. And the enemy is bringing things into our life. He's trying. He's relentless at trying to steal hope and to leave us in this hope-deferred state. Everyone needs hope. Would you agree with that? Do you need hope? If you're saying, ah, it doesn't really apply to me right now, but down the road, it's going to apply to you. You're going to need hope. Everyone needs this. If you don't have hope, despair sets in. You feel that tomorrow won't be any better. When you don't have hope, what's missing in your life is this drive, this ambition for life to face the day, Hope enables you to exist, not just to exist, but to exist with peace and joy and confidence and optimism and faith. When you don't have hope, there's no peace, there's no confidence, there's no strength. I want to look at two ways that the enemy works against us to extinguish hope and how God counters these attacks and protects the hope that we have. Now, the Apostle Paul the writer of this letter. He's the writer of most of the New Testament letters, and As he's writing, he's writing to churches and to believers in particular. And so as he writes a letter, he's writing under the inspiration or the power of God, the spirit of God, the wisdom of God. And so as he's writing scripture, he's writing something that's supernatural. It's from God through the apostle and it's written down. And it's written down with intention. It's written down with purpose and with specificity. I mean specific. It's it's written down because the spirit of God knows exactly what we need. So here's what happens when a preacher preaches, and hopefully that preacher is in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I pray that I'm in the spirit on on today, that the spirit's going to take the scripture and specifically speak right to where you are. So Paul is receiving the revelation of God, and he titles it the book of Romans. It's the letter to the Roman church, or the Christians in Rome, let me put it like that. It's an amazing New Testament letter. Every chapter has the theme and Every section has a a mini-theme, and we'll see that even 2,000 years later. It's so relevant to where we're living. And so to live our lives and to excel in hope or to exceed beyond anything that the enemy can bring against us, we need to do one thing first. Here it is, one thing first. It's not the outline. It's not the two points I want to look at you, but it's a preliminary. You need to present yourself. You need to come to God. And this is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You need to say, God, I'm laying down my life. My life belongs to you. Uh, God, all of these things in my life, all of these things trying to distract me, God, I'm just afresh and anew. I'm presenting myself as a living sacrifice so that you'll be worshiped. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. You need to start there. So all of this other things that we're going to look at won't really amount to too much if you haven't presented yourself you haven't humbled yourself. You haven't gotten down on your knees before God and said, God, I want my life. I want my life to be laid down for you. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's where we start. And that's what Paul talks about. He talks about our life being an act of worship. Everything about my life is an act of worship. He moves over to chapter 14. If you want to take your eyes there, it's up to you. I'm going to quote some verses out of chapter 14 because here it gets rather interesting. The enemy comes and tries to divide the Roman church, the Christians in Rome. And that's what the enemy will always try to do. He'll always try to come in and separate. He'll try to separate us from God. He'll try to separate fellowship from us and God. He'll try to separate us from other Christians, us from the church. This is one of his tactics. We're going to look at that in a moment. But chapter 14, verse 1, Paul says, As for the one who is weak in faith. Now watch this. This is is phenomenal. This is very interesting to me. As for the one who is weak in faith. Who's weak in faith? Well, this might be a new believer. This might be a believer struggling with some things. Uh, this is the person who does love Jesus. They're trying, but but they keep maybe stumbling and tripping and and they're trying to do the best that they can. And so this person is weak in faith. This person, maybe is a new Christian, maybe has faced some things in their life and, and they're trying to battle that. So Paul says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. Notice this. Because the enemy wants to come in and try to separate these believers and there's believers that are going to uh, kind of jockeying for position. The pride enters into our heart, and then all of a sudden we, we become judgmental, and we look at other Christians who are weak, and we kind of look down on them. It's like, man, how come you're not getting your act together? Or, or we start looking at them as less than us. This was happening in the church in Rome. This is the enemy trying to attack. And so you've got these weak believers, new believers possibly, maybe some who are just slow at growing, and others that are growing at different rates of speed. They... says welcome him and but not to quarrel over opinions one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables they came out of paganism i mean these people were worshiping at, at temples and they were sacrificing animals and blood was spilt and then they got saved and they realized it was the blood of christ that now covers their sins and they don't need all of these idols they don't need all of this pagan worship anymore and so they came out of that background and, and you have this, this un- unbelievable mixture of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians and strong Christians and weak Christians coming together and then the enemy wants to come in and bring judgmentalism and, and, and this legalistic kind of thing and, and it's going to cause these people to try to divide and separate. The enemy is wily. He is so wily. So these people are eating... Uh, only vegetables, and and they're battling with this whole meat thing because the stronger Christians could eat the meat because they realize it's just meat. There's nothing demonic in the meat. But to a weaker Christian associating themselves with the temple worship, they're not quite to the place that these other stronger Christians are at. And they had a hard time with that. But the stronger Christians could care less. And the stronger Christians were looking at the weaker Christians and putting stumbling blocks before them. Paul will go on to tell us that that is not healthy and that's not good. Verse 3, let not one, I'm in 14, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Is it before his own master that he stands or falls and he would be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand? One person esteems one day as better than another there was all kinds of different things that they believed in these days and these feasts and these festivals and it was all so chaotic but they came out of that and now they're still struggling with these days and what they should do and while another esteems all days alike each one should be fully convinced in his own mind the one who observes the day observes it in the honor of the lord and the one who eats eats in honor of the lord since he gives thanks to god while the one who abstains abstains in the honor of the lord and gives thanks to god For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Verse 10, so why do you pass judgment on your brother? Have you ever been the recipient of judgment and judgmentalism? Have you ever been, and you're just trying to do the best that you can at your Christian life, but you you find yourself struggling to get there, and then this other Christian that's been a Christian a long time kind of looks down on you. It's like, man, would you get your act together? What's your deal? And you're feeling like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the best that I can. I'm just trying to find my way. Well, that's what's going on here. There are these two groups. There are these jewish christians that are strong and then there's these gentile christians that are strong and then there's these jewish believers that are weak and gentile believers that are weaker the enemy's going to try to bring separation and division into the church and so when this judgmental spirit or attitude takes over we would call that legalism it's self-righteous it's judgment being passed on to another person particularly maybe a newer or weaker christian and sometimes there's this unjust self-righteous judgment full of pride and arrogancy I'm more spiritual than you are attitude and this gets crazy I remember going to a church several years ago and I was on vacation in Florida and so it was like something Baptist or something I'm not gonna give out any because you might attend to that church and that would be a little awkward so I'm at this Baptist church and I'm dressed in shorts flip flops and a, and a beach shirt and I came in excited to worship Jesus. And when I got in there, I realized that that culture was completely different. I mean, they had like full, you know, three-piece suits, you know, with little hankies sticking out of their pockets. And so I walk in there just ready to worship. And the reaction I got from them was one of judgment. And they're looking down on me. They didn't want to talk to me. They didn't want to shake my hand. And, and so they basically left me alone. First time. These cultures are Everywhere. Do you know who gets it right? It's not even a church that gets it right. It's a gym. Seriously, do you know what gym I'm referring to? It's Planet Fitness. They get it right. The church doesn't get it right. I go into a church. I want to worship Jesus. I'm wearing shorts, and I get judged because I don't have a suit on or a hanky that sticks out. It's craziness. So you have here in Romans chapter 14, Gentiles were becoming Christians, and the legalistic maybe quote-unquote, stronger Christians, casting judgment on the weaker ones. Paul wants to address this, and he's addressing it very forthrightly. Verse 20 of chapter 14, we're going to get to 15 eventually, maybe by tomorrow, right? Verse 20, Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. In other words, if, if you're okay with the meat, you're strong enough to understand that, and and you're eating the meat and it's not bothering you, just be careful that, you know, you're, you're a little bit more sensitive to those who are weaker, that you might say, you know what, I don't want the meat. I'm going to set that meat aside because I don't want this brother or sister to stumble. That's where Paul's going with this. So what you see here is you have these stumbling blocks that are being set and people are tripping over them. And maybe some in the room today, you have tripped over stumbling blocks of judgmentalism that you've received from somebody else and now you're trying to live your Christian life and it's a struggle. And you're battling with perfectionism. You're battling with control and oversensitive conscience. And, and you want more of God, but you're having a hard time getting there. You have a hard time saying no to people. You're a people pleaser. Stumbling blocks that were set before you by whole churches, maybe a pastor, maybe another person that you thought you were once close to. You don't have the freedom in Christ. You have this heavy burden that's on your shoulders. And you're saying, God, I just want this burden off of me had conversations with people at Harvest Reading and they've had this background. This message isn't designed for them because I had them in mind. This is the spirit of God putting it on my heart in the text and it's going to spread throughout Harvest Reading because there's many who are coming from that kind of a background and that experience. A judgmental spirit it will always lead, listen to this, a judgmental spirit if it's in others or if it becomes part of who we are will always lead to a stronghold. And that's where we have to be careful of when it becomes a stronghold in our life. So here's Paul, and he's dealing with all of these Jewish believers, these Gentile believers. It's an amazing thing when the Jews and the Gentiles started to come together around the gospel. It freaked the Jews out. They couldn't believe it, that Gentiles were being included in the church. And so they had a hard time. Prejudice started to erupt and couldn't believe that gentiles were becoming christians you know some of that story peter battled with that and peter got a vision and all of a sudden peter's revelation was changed you could see that god was going to the gentiles and saving gentiles and, and so here's the context so going back to the title of this message when hope exceeds anything the enemy brings against us romans chapter 15 verses 1 through 13 are you there say amen here's the question what can we expect the enemy to come against us with? That's the question. What can we expect the enemy to come against us with? And I'm going to show you two of them out of Romans chapter 15. There are two. If you want to write these down. Here's number one. And this is in context of somebody uh, sinning against us. This is, this is you who've gone through some things, maybe in certain cultures, church experiences, people that have judged you, put a stumbling block in your way. And now you're trying to work your way through all of that. That's the, the angle we're going to take with these two points. Number one, when we're judged and a stumbling block is put in our way, the enemy is attempting to establish separation. Number one is separation. This is what he'll do. He's going to want to separate you, separate you from close fellowship with Jesus and from the Father and, and from other Christians and from the church, and, and, and you've been hurt and pain has, has been put on you and... And the enemy is trying to get you to go away. He doesn't want you to be around other believers. He doesn't want you to be around other Christians, and certainly not around Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. And so that's number one. It's in verses one to seven. And I want to show this to you. Go to verse one of chapter fifteen. Verse one, Paul goes on to say, "We who are strong." Again, this is this isn't not necessarily, uh, um, you know, talking about. Uh, you know, something physical. It's not a physical strength. It's a spiritual strength. It's maybe a a more mature believer have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We who are strong. These are spirit-led people. These are people who, you know, are, are loving God and trying to do the best they can. They're strong and Paul's going to say to them that we need to bear with those who are weak. We certainly shouldn't have an an attitude towards people that are weaker than us that would say to them that they couldn't possibly find themselves doing what they do. And that's the last thing you want to say in your heart or or to somebody that, I would never do that. I would never do what they're doing. Can you believe what they're doing? You don't want to say that to somebody. Not because it hurts them, but it's hurting you. And I can almost guarantee that it would be just a short while after that that you're going to stumble, probably in the same way. We got to look out for pride. We got to look out, and although we've been judged, we got to look out that we don't become judges to other people. And that's very easy to do. So you got the, the the Jewish and Gentiles coming together. They're getting born again, and they're getting saved. You got the strong. You got the weak. These are two groups that they would have never, ever thought would have come together, kind of like the Eagles and Patriots being best friends, right? Come on, it's just not going to happen, so we'll see what happens next year. So here they are, and Paul says to them, we are to bear. This is a wonderful word, the word bear. It means to hold up. It means to hold up. If, if you are hurting, and, and you're down and out, and, and I came to you, and I picked you up, and I, I put you... On my shoulders, I would bear you up. This is where Paul wants us to be towards weaker Christian. You know, if you know somebody that's not doing as well as you are, and you go to them and you say, listen, man, I just want to walk with you through this. I, I just want to bear you up. I just want to I want to hold you. And And you might not have the faith to really believe right now, but you can believe through my faith. If you want to hold on to the faith that I have right now, that's fine. But I'm going to bear you up. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to carry you. That's what the word is meaning here. It's a, it's a wonderful word. Notice verse 2 of chapter 15. Verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, and through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See the coming together. It's unity. It's not separation. It's unity. Jew and Gentile Christians, weak and strong Christians coming together and it's with one voice. That's why it's so important here when Scott and the team is leading us in worship that it's with one voice. There are some of you that are doing well spiritually and strong and it's good. And there's others that are struggling and, and you're weaker. But with one voice, we come together as harvest ready and we worship God. There's no judgment in this room. There's no there's no pride that's operating in our heart towards other people. We come and we bear the burdens of one another. We pick each other up. We love each other. We walk with each other through things. That's what church is all about. That's what this church is all about. But we have to look out for the enemy's attack. Says that Jesus didn't come to please himself. Christ welcomed us, Paul is saying, and Christ is the, he is the, the, the point of these 13 verses. He's the point, it's him, he's our hope, and he's the one who, when we were weak, he came and he picked me up. Do you remember that day? Do you remember that day where you were completely flat on your face and you were lost, your sin was overwhelming you, and you're like, I, I can't save myself. I'm at the end of myself. And Jesus came and he picks us up and he bears us. He he holds us up. It's a wonderful thing. A judgmental spirit only brings separation. It doesn't lead to building up, as Paul says here. It doesn't lead to encouragement. It leads to discouragement. If somebody's not exactly like you and they don't believe exactly like you, you know what? It's going to be okay. Okay. People ask me in church planting, so what about if this person comes in and they don't believe exactly like you do? Are you nervous about that? I'm not really nervous about that. Now, if they're coming in intentionally trying to be a, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing and they're a false teacher, a wingnut, and all of that, then this, we're going to address that. But if it's a person coming in and they have a sincere desire to know Jesus and walk with Jesus, but their belief system is really needing some tweaking to align with more of scripture, then I'm okay with them coming in as long as they want to learn and grow it's not a threat because this person is just trying to find their way and, and we who might be stronger who have been a Christian a long time we might know more than them and that's why we come alongside of them but we don't look down on them It only puts a stumbling block in the way maybe you've experienced some of the things that are being addressed here how does hope restore watch this Go to verse 5. How does hope restore? How does, it, how does it help me once again to get back up? If we've been judged and if we've kept stumbling as a result of this, look at verse 5. You'll notice verse 5 starts off, and we just read it, may the God. You'll see that. If you go down to verse 13, which we've already read, watch this, may the God. So there they are. Here's the two points. It's really easily kind of, see in the text. We're taking these this repetitive statement. It's, it's like a prayer, but it's not. It's not a formal prayer from Paul. It's not even a wish because that kind of brings on luck or chance and we don't believe that. But it's almost like he's, he's vocalizing this thing inside of him that he wants for the people in Rome, for the believers. And so he uses this may the God in verse 5 and may the God in verse 13. But here in verse 5, look at this. May the God of endurance and encouragement. What's the next word there? You see Grant? I have the ESV version. Oh, wait a minute. It's not the King James 1611. What's wrong with you? ESV says grant. That means give. Now, when you're going through college, you need some money, right? And so you might get a grant. Remember getting grants? And and money was given to you, right? It's like, this is a beautiful thing. Here's Here's how you react to judgmentalism. Here's how you react to the stumbling that you've been facing. And you want to be free in Christ a little bit more The word grant is the sovereign work of God. It's his ability that is being put inside of you supernaturally to be able to get to the place that you need to get to. But you have to receive that. That's why I said at the front end of this message that you have to believe ahead of time. This is what faith is. You don't wait to see something happen, then you believe. You're believing ahead of time, and then God shows up. And so here's how you do it. You say, God, I receive what you have for me. I've been hurt. I've been stumbling, I've been judged unjustly, and gone through all of that. But God, I am receiving the grant that You're giving me. You're giving me. You're putting it in me, the power to be able to move forward again, the power to have this hope. What are you saying? Let me just kind of reverse this a little bit before we go on to number two. What happens if you become a judge over other people? I've judged. Has anybody ever judged somebody unjustly? Just, I'm going to, don't leave me up here by myself. Raise your hand. You ever judge somebody unjustly? You know it's pride in your heart, and you're like, oh, God, man, that was not good. The Spirit of God started convicting me. I've judged people. I, I thought I was superior. I thought I was better. Um, and so I've, I've treated my wife like that at various times and other people. And so this, this judgment thing can happen to all of us. So maybe you've experienced it and it's come at you. But be careful because it can easily happen inside of you towards another person. And then what happens is that we set stumbling blocks up for other Christians. And then they start stumbling over the things that we're doing. And so if you've been through difficulty, as we all have, and through traumas and tragedies and trials, and all of that, then it's very easy to allow this, this thing to come inside of us, and the enemy's going to try to do this. And and we, we get to the place of judging other people, but then we start to try to cope with all of this that's happening. Instead of receiving and relying on the hope, we start to cope. And then we start doing something in our life that another younger Christian is going to look at us now and start to stumble. It's a cycle. This is how the enemy's doing it. He's dividing us away from the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the Church, the believers, the Word of God. We've been separated. There's this gap in between. Now what's happening inside is the enemy saying, judgment starting to come inside of you and you're looking at other people and start judging them and then you start to cope with all the things that you're going through and have gone through and then all of a sudden you're doing things that are now causing other weaker christians to stumble that's why my encouragement to you as a pastor is listen if you're going through some junk hard stuff don't turn to anything to try to cope other than jesus christ jesus Don't try to pick up a substance and say, I'm going to cope with this. I'm going to cope with this. Don't be looking at stuff on the internet or wherever just to cope and escape and and all of that. Don't do that. Find your hope in Christ. Don't try to cope outside of Christ because what you're doing is going to cause a stumbling block to the people that are watching you now. So it's like this thing that happens to all of us. So verses 8 down to the end of the chapter now, or verse 13 rather, number 2 write this in. This is how the enemy comes against us and we're going to battle back with hope. When we're judged and a stumbling block is put in our way, the enemy is attempting to erect a stronghold. So first is separation. Now separation leads to the stronghold. Stronghold, I'm going to define this. This is a fortress of wrong thinking. A fortress of wrong thinking. Let me give you an illustration of that. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal but have divine power to destroy strongholds. That's talking about truth. Scott was exhorting us with truth. And so you know how you you take truth and you demolish a stronghold with it. Truth of God, the reality of who God is, the attributes of God, the character of God. When I get that truth, the gospel of God, when I get that inside of me, strongholds in my mind are demolished. So one of the strongholds that was erecting in my mind about 10 years ago was that God isn't faithful to me anymore. That God isn't good to me anymore. This is, this is Satan. Listen, this is Satan speaking that into your life. He's speaking into, he was speaking into my mind and he was saying, Chris, God isn't good. Did you know that? He's not good to you. And then I'm like, oh, oh, you know, and the stronghold was trying to get erected inside of my mind. And the only thing that was battling that back is the truth. God has given us divine truth to be able to battle back strongholds. But listen, if you've been separated, judged unjustly, and that stumbling blocks have been put in your way, and you've tripped over those, and now as a result of that you're, you're, you're all you know, maybe discombobulated spiritually, what's going to happen next if you're not careful is a stronghold's going to be erected in your mind. The only thing to battle that back with is, is what we're going to see in a moment: strongholds, lies in our head about who God is. So we looked at verse five. It started with "May the God of." Now here's here's how the enemy is, how we counter back, how God counters back against the enemy. It's in verse thirteen. Look at it verse 13. Prior to these verses, these are quotes out of the Old Testament of Gentiles worshiping Jesus. Verse 12, it talks about the root of Jesse, that's Christ, coming. Gentiles have hope in him, it says in the verse 12. It's just wonderful quotes out of the Old Testament. That's what that section is talking about. And He's wanting these Christians, even these Jewish Christians, to realize that the Gentiles now are worshiping and they're all part of the family. Now here's how God counters the enemy. Verse 13, may the God of hope what's that next word there? Fill. Fill. This is, this is, this is to be <laughs> this is to make full. To fill to the full. Uh, Paul's saying I, I, th- that you, that God would would fill you with all of the joy and the peace in believing. So we're believing, we're trusting, we're trusting, we're trusting. I remember years and years ago, darkness fell over my wife's and my life, and we were going through all of some of the things that we're talking about today. And, and I remember I said, sweetheart, this is what we need to do. I'm going to encourage you to do this. Because Paul's saying here to them, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing is another word for Trusting. Anybody have a trust issue here? we all struggle with that. And so trusting in God is number one trust. And so here's what we did, my wife and I. And the demonic forces came into the room. It was really kind of freaky. It didn't manifest like to the visual eye, but it was manifesting in the spirit. And I said to Lisa, I said, hon, I've seen this demonic uh, oppression before. And here's what we need to do. We need to say verbally and out loud, God, we choose to trust you. We choose to trust you. Did we feel it inside of our emotions? No. Uh, But we made a conscious choice. We were believing. We were trusting. And now we're going to declare it. God, we choose to trust you. I said, all right, babes, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. On the count of three. One, two, three. And together, said, God, we choose to trust you. It was amazing because a second later, I get a phone call from a friend on the East Coast. We were living on the West Coast at the time. And they just said, it was like a two-hour difference, three-hour difference. It was late on the East Coast. It was just normal time with us. And they were just up, staying up late. A couple of buddies of ours and friends. And they said, we just felt led of the Spirit to give you a call. I choose to trust you. Ring. Hello? Yeah, we just felt led to call you. Is everything okay out there? Actually, it's not. There's demonic oppression. and, and, And so they started praying for us. You know what happened? That demonic presence just left the room here's what you need to do. You need to rest in that. You need to rest in trusting. If you can't trust God emotionally, forget the emotions. It's not about how you feel. It's about declaring with truth in your mind, I choose to trust you. Then what happens after that is beautiful because God brings this thing here. Hope. Fill you with what? Joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. Right now. Fill me. Fill me. Control me, Holy Spirit. Trust you. Fill me. That means control me, fill me to the full. Lead me, consume me, even possess me. Holy Spirit, do that right now. Do that right now. I'm going to encourage you. Don't look at me. This isn't just verbal to you, and this is spiritual. I want you to do this with God, you and God. Fill me right now. Lead my life, guide my life, overwhelm me with the presence of God, Holy Spirit. I know it's easy to build walls know that strongholds can take a this place in your mind and they become refuges for you. But it's a lie. Strongholds are a lie. It could be strongholds of bitterness and fear. It could be strongholds of depression. It's time for hope to do what it's meant to do in your life. And I want you to declare that today. I want you to get to the place as we end this series together. I want you to get to the place where it's, you know what? The devil, his day is done with me. This is a new day. This is a new season for me. And I am receiving all that God has for me. He's granted me all of the ability to be able to counter the enemy. And I want that spirit of God inside of me to lead me through this. Fill me. I want to pray for you. I want you to be bold and courageous now. I'm not going to come up into the audience and sit next to you like I did that one message and people were freaking out a little bit. I just do that for fun, honestly. But this isn't one of those moments. But I do want you to raise your hand if you need some prayer, because the last four or five, what was it, four weeks we've done Where Then Is My Hope? And you've been battling with hope, and you know that God is doing something in your life. You can't maybe pinpoint it specifically and directly, but you know that God's doing something and you need some extra prayer. You need Christians to come around you and pray. And I want you to raise your hand. Lift your hand up nice and high if this resonates with you. Thank you Heather. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else, lift your hand up. It's okay. We're a family. We're a little lighter today. A lot of people are traveling and away. It's a little lighter. A little easier when the crowd's smaller, right? Father, we pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would help us to take the word of God and and to live it as we prayed before the message. Help us now, God, to realize that you grant us everything that we need uh, to be able to have hope and hold on to hope and for hope to uh, just battle back the attacks of the enemy, which is separation and strongholds. And so, God, we pray against separation. We're praying that people are coming back together to the church, to, to Jesus, to the Spirit of God, coming back to fellowship, so God, we're praying against strongholds of bitterness. We're praying against strongholds of anger. They just need to leave. We're going to replace all of that with the truth of the word of God. We're going to choose to trust you. So for those hands that went up, God, we pray for just this healing happening right now, this healing, this new day, this new season. Honor your great name, God. Let's all stand together. God, we honor you. We, glory. we worship you, Lord. I'm going to encourage you through this song to just worship Him freely, just believing that today is different for you. It's different. And so receive that. Just am receiving it through this song and then sing it with every part of who you are as an act of worship.